This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. Scentlock, um, in my opinion, is just an all-around toolkit for bow hunters. No matter what you're hunting, where you're hunting, uh, Scentlock will have you covered. So I would highly recommend you to go check out Scentlock. Their, their activated carbon technology for maximum odor absorption really uh, is what makes them stand out, especially for whitetail hunting. Uh, so go check out Scentlock and, and their toolkit, especially the BE1 series the Bowhunter Elite Series. Um, it is absolutely phenomenal. Got a special guest on the phone, Mr. Tony. Let me get this right. Burleson. Is that right? You got it. Got it. Tony, how you doing, man? Doing good. Up here in snowy Montana. Yeah, well, at least you're not in Tornado, Kansas. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know, right? At least I can't pick up my house and throw it away. You know, um, last last uh friday they put out this you know these big announcements saying tornadoes are coming be prepared um didn't hit our town wiped a town about 10 miles from us and you know devastating of course and and uh a lot of us went over to help and and lend a hand and and then last night they said hey get ready because it will hit your town tonight um wow nothing ever it did come but it, it developed right on the other side of us and you know, again, they were saying, listen, there's no chance you're getting out of it this time. It will hit you. And uh, we, you know, we hunkered down and nothing ever happened. So uh, yeah, tornado season is crazy. Feeling. It is, man. But I'm also of the opinion, like, if I can see it, I'm okay. Like, just like with snakes, man. Everybody's like, freaks out about snakes. And I'm like, well, if I see a snake, then I have nothing to worry about. If I can see the tornado, then I just don't go in that area. You know what I mean? Right. At least you can like move a snake out of your yard. I don't think you can do that with a tornado, you know? Yeah, dude, I did have a, uh, so I, I walked into my, my, my bow cave, my man cave, and I saw something move across my floor and I'm like, what in the heck was that? And it was a snake and I'm like, oh crap. And so by the time I went and got some, uh, what do you call my like grabbers to get it, I come back and it had crawled into my camo closet. And so I was like, well, this sucks. Now we've got a snake that's just in a closet full of camo. And so I'm literally pulling out jackets one by one and like shaking them and moving them and, and finally found him. But I'm like, you can't, you couldn't have picked the worst place to go for me right. other than a camo closet. <laughs> yeah. Snake was smart. Yeah. No, but I do, uh, I do have a friend and, um, he, he videoed the whole tornado that, that hit the town over. And, uh, somebody's like, what were you doing, man? He's like, what do you mean? I was, I could see the direction it was going and I just ran parallel with it and I had nothing to worry about. You know, I, right. I was safe. It wasn't coming towards me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of of that opinion, but tornadoes are so, um, unpredictable. I mean, they'll just, they'll do anything in a matter of seconds. You know what I mean? Right. Man, yeah. we got off track. We got off track. Great. Already. Tony, give me an introduction to yourself, man. What do you do? Um, how'd you get there? Give me the background of dark timber. All yeah. The good stuff. yeah. So, um, my history in coffee started about 20 years ago. Uh, I've been a coffee roaster pretty much that whole time. Uh, I started off in Seattle, Washington. That's where I'm from, uh, born and raised there, uh, until we moved everything over to Montana about three years ago. Uh, I used to own, uh, cafes and roasteries and pretty much the downtown Seattle area for a, a lot long of coffee time. history there. A lot of coffee, right? Yeah, I know a lot of the guys, you know, they're friends of mine that are kind of the uh, pillars in the coffee industry, you know, kind of the forefathers of it. So it's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, 
uh, I was the director coffee master roaster for a large Seattle company for about 11 years uh, after I sold my company. Uh, and then after that, I started Dark Timber and that was in uh, 2017 is when that happened. So about five years ago, actually five years tomorrow, I believe. Very cool, man. No, I, uh, I was first introduced. See, I'm a, it's funny because I'm a coffee snob. Like my wife makes fun of me because, you know, most outdoors rednecks, you know, backwoods hillbillies are like, throw it in the Mr. Coffee and, you know, you've got Folgers and I'll have right. friends come over and I'm like, what do you want? Would you like a pour over? Would you like a French press? Would you like an AeroPress? <laughs> Sounds like my uh, kitchen. Yeah. What would you like? I mean, I mean, would you like a, an Americano? Would you like a, wh what would you like? Right. And uh, my wife kind of makes fun of me for that, but I'm kind of a coffee connoisseur. Okay. And, um, it was probably, uh, 2019. I was on a hunt with the guys from SNS archery and, uh, I was like, what am I going to do about coffee? Like I literally called and asked, I'm like, what do I do for mm -hmm. coffee, man? Like I don't go without coffee and I don't go without good coffee. Like I ain't doing the instant crap, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like, don't worry, we got you. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not putting my coffee trust in your hands yet. You know what I mean? Like, what do you mean you got me? And he just said two words, dark timber. And I'm like, what are you talking nice. about? What are you talking about, bro? <laughs> was that and, spec uh, or what? <laughs> no, it was, uh, uh, oh my Lord, Rob. Uh, oh yeah, I Rob, did see, Rob, I did see Steve at ATA and I'm not kidding you. Uh, not at ATA. They were at uh, uh, Portland, the uh, Portland show. Yeah. And uh, straight up during the show, they were pouring gravity packs. And I'm like, that's yeah, what I'm man. talking about. Like, yeah. there's free coffee right there, but you're doing this. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, those guys are rad. We love those guys. Yeah, they straight up had their their burners and everything making mm -hmm. making coffee. Um, yeah, we were just with them at, uh, if you were at, if they were at Oregon, they had just left us at uh, correct uh, on Expo in Salt Lake. Yeah, correct. Yep, yeah. that's what he was telling me. Um, and I asked him, I was like, so where's Rob at, man? He's like, well, you know, somebody has to work. <laughs> yeah. Someone's got to open the front door. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, that was, so that was the first experience ever running I had with, with, uh, dark timber. And then I told him, uh, they're in Portland. I'm like, man, listen, dude, I know the coffee's free over here, but I need a good cup of coffee. And so he hooked me up with a cup at, at Portland. And, uh, and so I was, I've been wanting to have you on man, because, uh, I believe that, you know, for a lot of hunters, and this sounds kind of cliche because, again, I know that most uh, outdoorsy rednecks, you know, my dad, I mean, he's a he's a throw it in the Mr. Coffee and, you know, whatever is on sale at Walmart. Um, but coffee is a large part of what we do. Like if we're going on a duck hunt, we wake up to make coffee early enough to make coffee. If we're going on a on an elk hunt, we prepare, you know, in the backpack, all these sort of things. Uh, coffee plays a big role in it. Um, and so I kind of wanted to know your vision. Like, where'd this come from? Where'd this stem from dark timber? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, being in the specialty coffee industry for so long, uh, meaning that like third wave style cafes, um, you know, and, and sort of all that whole thing. Um, it, it wasn't, I mean, even though it was like a, like a competition barista and I did all those things, right. It wasn't really like who I was as a person. Right. And I was super into, super big into the outdoors, super big into like steelhead fish. And I was a straight steelhead bum, uh, super big into hunting. And I was like, you know what? Like I want to start a company that is a direct reflection of myself and my interests. Um, and, focus on that outdoor hunting fishing just outdoor crowd right and there wasn't anything in this space there was nothing like so when we launched and we got into it we were the first ones to do it and because what i i postulate is like it, you know these are quote-unquote like blood sports right they are right so there's a lot of companies that will shy away from that be, that aspect of it right so they're not even going to like market to the outdoor industry in terms of hunting and fishing um they're not going to go there and we were willing to go there right because that's who we were and that's kind of what dark timber is you know it's funny that you say that because <laughs> i worked as a barista for a bit and it was incredibly comical because i 
these people would be coming in and, you know, you're serving middle-aged women in the middle of the day and right. you just live this whole different lifestyle. And then it's like, Hey, I'm going to bolt out early because Turkey season just opened. I'm going to go blow the head off a of Turkey, you know? And they're like, what? what are yeah. you talking about? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's Turkey season. Like, and, uh, and I did that for a while. It was one of my favorite jobs ever. But like you said, it's almost like a, a, a line in the sand of, of being this different person at work as you are, you know, the rest yeah. of the week. I mean, I wasn't going to yeah. talk about, I wasn't going to say, here's your coffee. Hey, did you get out and, and shoot any deer this week? You know, I mean, that just wasn't, it, it, right. it didn't, it didn't coexist. And so, um, it's really cool, man, that you saw that opportunity as, Hey, this is my job and this is how I make money, but this is my passion and I want to combine the two. Yeah. They, the, the beauty about it is they're both my passions, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like coffee for me isn't um, an occupation, right? right? This is something that I've done my entire adult life. Yeah. You know, I started when I was 19 and I'm almost 40. You know, you know, I get it. So um, it was just such a natural thing to kind of blend the two together. Uh, and I get what you're saying about like, you know, like reading uh, your customer or reading the employee next to you on what you can say to them. And I always took the opportunity, you know, when I was with my last company and we had over a hundred employees, you know, and it, I would always take the opportunity to kind of explain that side, you know, like hunting or whatever, and sort of give that first touch of it with our employees. And what was really surprising to me is, you know, if you explained it in the right way, um, how receptive they were to the idea. Yeah. I, uh, one time it was a funny story. I thought I had read this person correctly and, uh, I was so far off. It wasn't funny. Like I, <laughs> yeah. that, I was like, man, I love to hunt, dude. That's my passion. That's what I do. You know? And I went in depth. I'm like, yeah, bow hunting, uh, whitetail hunting. Oh, I love it, man. Spring bear hunting. I love, I love bears, uh, all this stuff. And, and they were like, I'm a vegetarian and I'm like, very cool. My bad, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. I read this situation all wrong. Right. Right. And th there's definitely going to be some of those, right. Who are just the, the diehard, um, you know, vegetarian activist kind of person. Right. Uh, but then we, you know, we would have, you know, vegetarians or whatever that saw, you know, the, the procuring your own meat side of the thing as, as a more of a like respectable way to do it. Right. So it was kind of cool in that aspect to see like them being receptive to the idea, you know, right. not just calling you like a murderer or something. Now, why is it that you think, and this is a, a loaded question and, and we could certainly go down a rabbit hole on it, but you know, hunters never speak out against vegetarians. I mean, you never see, us lashing out how could you eat plants or 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 you're an idiot for not eating meat you know we we never are the the pursuer you know what i mean right. so why is it that you feel vegetarians take such a strong stance on it and it's you know it's i think almost, it's um, you know they're both living things right? right i don't know you know there's sentient things you know there's there, if you boil it down to like just like killing something they you both do the same thing right you kill a plant kill an animal if that plant bled it'd be a total different story right yeah but it doesn't right so now they feel that maybe they can get on a soapbox and lecture you about it because um you know you've killed something that had a heartbeat right right so i think that's just when it boils down to it that's the only distinction between the two yeah, I mean, I could see that, but it's almost like, and, and again, we could get down a deep, deep rabbit hole here, but, and and <laughs> people always laugh when I say this, I'm by no means calling vegetarians atheists, but it's almost the same, you know, with Christians and atheists is, is Christians are never the pursuer. You know, we never push the atheists. It's same with, with heaven forbid, if we get political, but it's definitely never the same as Republicans. I mean, Republicans right. are never we never lash out because you're 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 not a Republican. Um, you're a Democrat. I mean, it's always the Democrat pushing against the Republican. It's always the atheist pushing against the Christian. 
And again, I'm by no means equating that if you're a vegetarian, you're the same as an atheist or a, uh, I've just always found that interesting um, yeah. that, that we seem to be the, as hunters who are the big, bad killers, when it comes to the arguing, we're the more meek ones. And maybe that's why we get taken over so much. Maybe that's why yeah. we're losing our rights left and right. But um, I've always found that interesting that we're the big, bad killers, but yet you're the one that's calling me all these bad names and you're the one that is threatening my life. And you're the one that, I mean, it's always comical to me. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Right. Uh, on why they feel the need to, um, to do that. You know, I don't know, you know, if vegetarians outnumber hunters in numbers, but it might be because they're, you know, they're a minority in a way. Right. And minorities tend to be louder, right? Because they're such a smaller group. So they feel like they yeah. maybe they need to speak up louder and draw a heavier line in the sand, you know? So it certainly makes sense. Yeah, but I like I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't really have a definitive answer to that question, but right. Um, before we move on, let me give a quick thank you to our friends. Uh, another thing, another deep love of mine that came from that hunt uh with Rob was co-optics. I give him a call and I'm like, dude, I need to know, I, I need a spotting scope and I don't know what to get, why to get it, how to get it. And he's like, dude, just try this Koa 77. He's like, you can use it for the hunt, whatever. And, uh, I'm like, cool, man. And so we get done with the hunt. We go back down to the store and, and, uh, I was like, dude, you better just ring me up for that. Cause I'm never, I'm never looking anywhere else. And I've not looked through any glass other than Koa since. Um, in my opinion, they are the finest spotting scopes on planet Earth. Um, I know, I know, all of our friends over there at SNS uh, agree. They're the ones that push me to them. Uh, so, guys, I would highly recommend you if you're in the need for any binoculars or spotting scopes to go check out Koa Optics because they are absolutely phenomenal. Um, you are you a big spring bear hunter? Yeah, I was just out yesterday. Really? Yeah, before the snow hit. <laughs> so we're all, I didn't know, I didn't know Montana had spring bear. That, that, yeah, we have an OTC spring bear uh, season. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. There's only what, five states that do? Uh, you know, I, I couldn't answer that. I only know of two states that have an over-the-counter spring bear tag, and that's Idaho and Montana. Very cool. Um, yeah, I bears have become an addiction of mine. Like I absolutely love chasing bears. Um, and it's to my demise, I grew up in Arkansas and I grew up in an area in Arkansas where there are bears and there are bear hunting. And it never even crossed my mind, dude. Like never even considered bear hunting. Um, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Never, never even thought about it. And I think it was like the first year I moved to college. So the first year I was away from home, I'm like, I want to go on a bear hunt. Where can I go? And I'm like, Google and where to bear hunt at. And they're like Northwest Arkansas. And I'm like, crap, I could have been bear hunting all along, like my whole <laughs> life. And yeah. I never even considered it. Now I live in Kansas. And so now I got to travel to bear hunt. Um, right. But no, I've absolutely become obsessed with it, man. Yeah, dude, it's super fun. Um, you know, I try to do it every year. Last year I was super picky uh didn't didn't shoot a bear um but the rest of our crew did and we shot they shot some dandy ones i mean they shot some really some really big ones um i was out yesterday and actually ran into a grizz really crazy yeah that's pretty <laughs> rare I, I didn't expect it to be there you know i didn't even think there was grizz in that spot but yeah he's about 120 yards away anything come of it or just he went his no way i was like i was uh i was walking this old road and i actually went up in the snow right so there's like probably like a foot and a half two feet of snow up there and you know i know that up there there's some windswept hillsides that green up super quick uh you know a lot of people will think oh there's too much snow up there but if you actually get in there there's some good areas in there so i'm trying to get in and i cut this bear track on the road and it's just kind of like walking down the road and at first i thought it was like uh you know because it was like melted out but the snow was super rotten and like melting really quick so you know it had to be from like that morning right and uh so at first i thought it was like snowshoe and i was like no nah, it's just a big bear uh so i was following it and about 120 yards uh ahead of me after i've been following it for about i don't know half a mile or whatever the thing came up out of a creek bed 
And, uh, you know, it was, my wind was blowing straight to it. It didn't even care. It just kind of like got back on the road and kept going. And I was like, all right, I'm going to wait till it gets out of sight. And I'm going to go over this ridge. <laughs> when they don't care, that's when it's scary. That's what really freaked me out, man. It just didn't, didn't really care. You know, usually they'll get a big nosy in the, or out of there, but yeah, I don't know if his nose doesn't work or something. I don't know, <laughs> but I didn't want to stay there. Now, bear, were you a uh, bow hunt or gun hunt? Oh, no, I had my gun with me. Yeah, if he would have turned around, you know, it would have been a different story. But Right. Now, that's one thing. Like, we went on this hunt all week long. And me and Rob, I mean, we put in miles, dude. And and let me tell you something. Rob blew me away on the mountain. Like, he's got, I'm not going to speak his age, but he's got a couple generations on me. No. Mm-hmm. Um, and dude was running past me on the mountain, killing me. <laughs> He's got Idaho lungs, man. You got Kansas lungs. Oh, Lord have mercy, dude. I was dying. So anyways, we chase these bears all stinking week long. And we go back and and we're sitting around the store and, and, uh, you know, I'm trying on some packs and and looking at a couple things around. And and Steve was like, well, why didn't you take a gun? And I'm like, because I'm a bow hunter, dude. And he's like, well, the the success rate is like 2% with a bow. And I'm like. Yeah, that's being generous. Yeah, I'm like, well, thanks for telling me that now, you idiots. Like, yeah. I just spent, I just spent, you know, ten days chasing them around, and yeah, it was it was an incredible experience, and I wouldn't have changed it for nothing. The only sizable bear we ever saw had cubs, so yeah. Um, but it was it was a ton of fun, man. Dude, bear hunting, we really look forward to it because it's like you know we're like stuck inside for the most part all winter. Not oh, yeah. inside. I mean, I'm just saying that as like phrase, but like there's nothing really to do. It's like our rivers are froze over a lot of times and, you know, it's just kind of ice and snow for seven months, you know? Yeah. Uh, so when that spring season rolls around, it's just a, it's such a great opportunity to get out there and right. get the hills again, carrying your rifle. And, You're you know, coming out of hibernation too. Yeah. Right. That's what it feels like, man. Uh, so, and you get to like, it's a mixed bag. So we'll do like shed hunting, spring bear hunting at the same time. Right. And that's in April, late April, early May, you're kind of sheds and bears. And then mid May to first week and a half of June is like straight bears. Yeah. Uh, so do you prefer eating wise? Do you prefer spring bears or fall bears? Well, I mean, I don't, I couldn't really tell you that there's a huge difference. Um, if you want to like utilize their fat, definitely right? like if you wanted to like use it for shortening or like render it down and, and just have it around and use yeah, it. If you're going clay newcomb, if you're going clay newcomb, you got to hunt them in the fall. Yeah. you. I mean, you just get that fall bear fat and then, you know, they've had all spring, you know, most of the summer to like fatten up and, you know, they're. I, I wouldn't say they're better eating really, but I mean, they've got more fat on them for sure. I mean, I'm not going to leave a big giant chunk of bear fat on my, on my steak. You know what I mean? So, right. You know, walk I don't see through, a difference in like marbling or anything. Walk me through, um, walk me through your, your pack and we don't have to go super in depth, but, um, as far as spring bear hunting, what does your pack look like? Yeah. I, it's funny you say that tonight we're going to re- be recording more uh packed up videos uh spring bear packed up videos so but this time of year i use the uh xo k3 uh 4800 i use that pack a lot but i have i have a ton of packs like i have like three kafarus i have a sun glacier on the way uh xo uh that xo pack is super comfortable though uh so typically what i'm gonna what i'm gonna carry with me uh for spring bear is you know we do day hunts for them so, you know, this time of year, we don't really, like, get into the backcountry. One, there's too much snow. And two, like, the front faces or the fronts are usually where all your grass is, right? And that's where your bears are, right? They're just they're hitting grass. So uh, all of our packs are day packs. So we've got rain gear, obviously, because weather can turn in an instant, right? And I usually bring a sick cloud burst set. So I have the jacket and the pants. Uh, and then you always want to bring your insulation gear. So I have the Grumman jacket from uh, Stone Glacier that I take with me, which is super toasty. Um, it can kind of sweat you out sometimes. Uh, and then, you know, you've got 
your typical stuff like game bags, uh, snacks, water. Um, I use uh, 6 a.m. gears game bags. If you guys haven't seen their stuff, check it out. They're phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Those guys, Tristan's awesome. Good friend of mine. Uh, and then for optics, right now I'm running the Vortex Razor HD 12 by 50s. So I, you know, I, I use the 12 by 50s because I like obviously the magnification and I like to use them on a tripod, right? And it's just 10 by 42s just really don't do it for me in terms of magnification on a tripod. Uh, so in lieu of like a spotting scope, but I don't want to bring a spotting scope. I want to have my binos have that little extra oomph to them. And, you know, really for the money, your Vortex glass, like that HD, the UHD, you know, you're going to get a lot for your money uh, with that glass. So I really like that stuff. I've been using it for years. You know, like most of my stuff on all my rifles uh, is all Vortex glass. Um, you know, my binos, my spotting scopes. Um, so that's what I use for my binos. And then for a spotter, you know, we'll take a spotter because we like to do um you know like footage um right. most of the times you know you don't really need to use a spotting scope for bears right because they stick out like a sore thumb on the hillside right you're just like oh there's a bear you know but we'll use spotting scopes with the uh, phone scope um just so we can get scope footage and and especially with bears the shot placement you want to know exactly where you hit them you know so that that helps a lot so i'll bring uh my razor uh my vortex razor HD 85 millimeter is what I bring. And then I have um, a Suri tripod with a, uh, what head's on there? Um, oh, I forget the head that I'm running right now, but yeah, it's kind of a heavy, heavy setup, but it's super nice, super sturdy. You know, you want about a little bit heavier for that 85 millimeter, you know, cause it's such a big, big uh, spawning scope. And then you know, for knives, uh, I'm running the Tito knives, um, just to, re- re- uh, you know, uh, change out, you can change out the blades on them. Yeah. Super easy. So there's no like sharpening or anything. Um, you know, with bears, you're doing a lot of skinning. So, right. I, you know, I mentioned Koa and I tell people this all the time. I'm like, you know what, if you're not going to drop $3,500 for a spotter, which I understand no. is crazy. Um, definitely go Vortex uh, because Vortex is warranty system is crazy. Like, insane. Yeah, I just got a box in today from the warranty. <laughs> insane, dude. I mean, it took how like can five they... days there and back. Uh, yeah, I don't know how they do it, man. Uh, I, I really don't know how a company can do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, Vortex is great. You didn't, dude, you did We got to talk about your marketing opportunities here. You didn't even say coffee. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, dude, it markets itself. I don't have to say anything, really. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, for real though, question. Uh, do you go gravity packs or do you go, you know, the instant? Do you go, what do you go? Well, man, it all depends. Um, you know, like if for like ease of use, right? Like strictly ease of use. We mostly will grab the ascent packs, which are like a full immersion pillow pack style. Because you can make those in your jet boil, right? right? Whereas like a gravity pack, you've got to like de- what's called decanting, right? So you've got to pour the water and it's got to go into something, right? right? Which means you have to bring a secondary cup. With the ascent packs and the vapor packs, you can just make them right in your jet boil. So then you just, you know, you just drink out of your jet boil and you're done and rinse it out and you're good to go. So you're like shaving a little bit of weight there. Now. Just so everybody knows, just so everybody knows what we're talking about, the vapor packs are like instant powder. Um, yeah. Probably what a lot of you are familiar with. Yep. Um, gravity also, packs. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, they're, they're coffee solubles. Right. Gotcha. So you just add water. Um, gravity packs are for, if you guys know, it's it's basically a pour over that's ready to go. Um, does that explain it well? I mean, is that how you explain it? Yeah. So... I mean, that's, that's, that's really what it is. So if you can think of like drip coffee, right, which is what's called gravity coffee, right? Gravity's pulling the water through the coffee and then down into your carafe, right? Or in this case, your cup. Um, so if you can think of like, like, uh, like drip coffee, but on a small scale, like a single cup, small scale, which is a pour over, right? So 
basically, yeah. I mean, it's just a single cup pour over system and, you know, you don't have to like take it with you. Like you can kick the coffee out if you want, ball it up, put it back in the package, stick it in your pack, or you can actually bury the filter, like, like toilet paper and it's biodegradable, you know, it'll, it'll biodegrade. Now what's in terms of not ease, what's your best backcountry coffee? Like if you want the best coffee. Yeah. What did you say? Which one did you say? Oh, I said, are you, are you speaking in terms of like which blend or like which platform? Which platform? Like which is Gravity Packs, Ascent, or um, Vapor going to make the best coffee? They, they all, all three of them do, right? So if you think about it as bases, right? Each one covers a base, right? So you have your Gravity style coffee, which is like your drip style coffee. So if you're more inclined to like, like that drip style coffee, the gravity packs for you. I mean, like that is the product for you. If you like a coffee that's more like a French press, right? Which is what's called a full immersion coffee. The coffee is in the water steeping, right? And you're going to have some, some, uh, some sediments in there, right? You're going to have more of that, that French press cup profile, right? If you're a big fan of that, then that product's for you, right? Now, if you're a, strictly ease of use don't really care i just want coffee immediately i don't really care about the preparation style that's our our vapor packs right those are super easy the nice thing about the vapor pack too is like it doesn't have to be hot like you can make them in cold water if you wanted to because you're rehydrating coffee solubles right you're not having to have a, a, a temperature of water that's at brew temperature to be able to extract all those solubles like you would with a gravity pack or an ascent pack, the vapor pack is just ready to go. The solubles have already been extracted. You're just, you know, reconstituting them in a way. Right. Um, before we move on, one more thank you to our friends over at Boning. Um, it is what I consider arrow building season. I, you can see behind me, I've got like a line of arrows right here. Uh, those are wrapped. Uh, these have been veined. Uh, it is arrow building season. I'm building two dozen arrows right now for my recurve. Um, and guys, if you are into building your own arrows, I would highly re- recommend you check out boning, uh, for all of your components, uh, for your, your knocks and your wraps and your veins, check out boning, uh, and for all the tools, for all the fletching jigs. Uh, if you're into, you know, cresting your own arrows, all that stuff, go check out boning because they are a one-stop shop uh, for components and tools to build your own arrows. Go check them out. And they have some incredible Fred Bear branded products, um, which doesn't hurt. Um, Tony, what's your, uh, what's your biggest spring bear hunting tip? Like if you were to say um, you've never spring bear hunted before, one tip, put it in your back pocket. It'll make you more successful. What would it be? Don't force it. That's the biggest tip that I've learned is you don't force spring bear hunts. So like when they, the season first opens, right? Everybody's chomping at the bit to get out, right? It's April, right? Especially like out, out of staters, right? They're going to want to go spring bear hunting. And they're like, oh, it's April. What, I should go in a, and uh, you know, maybe hunt at that time because the season's open. And what I've learned with bears uh, is they're a very simple creature, right? Like especially spring bears. They're super predictable, right? Find all the food, the salad, you know, the fresh grass, right? Perfect hillsides, water, cover. That's it. That's all they need. Um, And when I was first starting to spring bear hunt, I was constantly forcing it, right? I was putting in all this effort and like, you know, there's just tons of effort into very slim probabilities, right? Because of tons of snow, the bears really aren't out, you know, they just, you know, they're just not out in numbers. It's the farthest point away from the rut, right? That early, you know, April, mid-April uh, time frame. So once I started to like just slow down a little bit and then not focus on that early part of the season, you know, our spring bear hunting just like, boom, it just exploded in terms of like, you know, like how many bears we were seeing and just how successful each and every trip was for us. Yeah. And that is, that's with anything, man. I think that people, people so overcomplicate hunting. Um, yeah. 
you know, as far as, as where to look and where to go and where to chase them. And I'm like, animals need the same three things that we need. They need food, they need water, and they need shelter. Mm -hmm. um, and at any given time, one of those three things will become more prevalent. Um, so if you think about it, if a bear is just coming out of hibernation, what does it need the most of? Well, it's got to replenish all of its fat stores and food stores. So it's going to be in the food more. Uh, you know, same with whitetail rut. I, I, I had one guy and he was a, a national champion strongman. And he was getting into hunting and he's like, well, where do I hunt at? Like what, what areas do I find to, to find deer? And, uh, it was post rut. He was asking me this in December and I'm like, man, what, what do you do when you get done with a huge competition? And, and he was like, dude, I run and I plow town some food. You know, I take it, I take it all down 7,000 calories, whatever. And I'm like, okay, now a deer has just ran itself ragged in the rut, chasing, running, fighting, now what does it need to, re to be doing? He's like, eating. And I'm like, exactly. They're going to start replenishing. Yep. But we overcomplicate everything. We're like, well, you know, uh, all, I'm not going to make fun of people, but um, we overcomplicate these things. And if we just think about it in terms of what an animal needs and what it's going to be prioritizing in that time, we'll be more successful. Oh, for sure. I 100% agree. And with bears, you know, in that early season, you know, they need that food when they're first coming out. And, you know, they're not, super heavy yet on the grazing i mean their there's their systems haven't worked for months right they've been right. they haven't eaten anything right their stomachs are the smallest they're going to ever be um and they've got to like work those things out right but you know it's what i learned in terms of like what their range is in that early season so they don't go very far from where they're tend up right so they're they're just going to stay in this sort of circle where they end up at whether it was in a tree well or or what have you, right? Uh, they don't go very far. Uh, yeah. And that's one of the things that I learned, you know, you're on these big sweeping ridges and there's big open spots of grass, but there's still some snow and you're just kind of hoping the bear would show up. But, you know, in reality, they're not moving too far from where they end up. So, you know, the probability of you seeing one, yeah, you might see one, um, but if you just waited, you know, and just didn't force that hunt, and, and just waited a little bit longer or a little bit farther into the season, you know, your probability of seeing multiple bears is pretty high. Yeah. And it goes right back to common sense. Like if somebody is tired and they're getting over a, an illness and they haven't been out of bed in a week, they're not going to go out and run a mile. Like they're not yeah. going to go hit the gym. They're going to start mm -hmm. slow and bears exactly. as they rebuild that, that those fat stores and the food stores and the, and the, they want to exert as the least amount of energy as humanly yep. possible. Um, and so, yeah, man, I, I love the, I love dudes who keep it simple. And, and what I mean by that is the tips and the tricks and, and because we live in a culture that we want to overcomplicate everything just so somebody will go, Oh, they're super smart about hunting. Oh, they know right. all these things. Well, man, sometimes I found sometimes my roughest whitetail seasons are because I'm, overcomplicating everything is because mm -hmm. I'm overthinking everything. And if I just stop and go, wait a minute, you know, we got snowstorms coming in. This is where I need to be at. This is what they're going to be doing. Or wait a minute. I got to change this up, dude. They just got done with rut. I, I need to be hitting the cornfield, whatever. Um, I, I don't need everybody to go, wow, you're so smart because you <laughs> yeah. keep, it, keep it simple. Yeah. I mean, it's hunting, right? I mean, there really is no big secrets, right? You know, there's, there's, uh, small advantages, right. But there's no big secrets to it. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct, man. One thing I also learned is that if you're not finding bears, uh, and, and, and this is from my very, very limited, um, knowledge of chasing bears at elevation. Um, mm -hmm. but if you're not finding bears, try a complete different elevation. Uh, you know, we yep. were sitting at, say 10,000 and I don't know how high we were, but say 10,000 and we weren't finding any bears. We dropped down to seven and all of a sudden bear, 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 bear. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And then you might go up to eight and there's no bears. You might go down to six and there's fewer bears. I, I mean, just try, if you're not finding bears, try a complete different elevation. Yeah. A good unit of like measure uh, in terms of where to look um, is what I tell people is to follow the snow line right as that snow line recedes farther up the mountain right the bears follow it follow it right because it's going to green up as it goes up because all that yeah. moisture and snow melt you know in the sun so you're going to get 
that fresh grass all the way up. And then, you know, finally they'll deposit themselves high up, um, you know, in the, in the Alpine areas. Um, but yeah, you're right. So, you know, if you're not finding bears at 9,000 feet, but you drop down to seven, right. And they're all right there. Well, what, why are they there? Right. So there might be, you know, at 7,000 feet of elevation, there might be, you know, uh, blueberries or huckleberries, um, you know, or, you know, the grass at that elevation is more developed, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And for, you know, for us, it was, it was, uh, it was just finding the elevation they were at. Um, you know, the entire time we stayed below the, the, the snow line, uh, but it was just simply finding what elevation they were at. And when we found it, now we're in bears. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my kid just came in here and gave me his walkie talkie and his sisters are screaming in it. Um, (laughs) He's he's playing with walkie talkies, but anyways, uh, yeah. So, so general, I ask all my guests, what's one field note you've taken over the years, a simple trick or tip, uh, doesn't have to be bear hunting. Doesn't have to be spring bear hunting that I can take and make myself a better hunter with. Um, it's a good question. I would say, I mean, it's not really like a tip, but just preparedness, you know, like if you stay prepared, for any hunt that you're going to go on, you're going to be more successful, right? You're going to have the gear that's going to help you out in the field. Um, you're not going to be worried about whatever situation uh, is happening um, that you, or a piece of gear that you need or you forgot or whatever, you've got it there. So now you can focus on the task at hand, which is, you know, whether it's finding a bull or finding a bear or what have you. So I always try to be, you know, very prepared in, in my uh, time out in the field, right? Uh, just to help me stay better focused on what I'm doing. Dude, that from my first spring bear hunt, that right there was the biggest tip I ever could have pulled from that uh, because I thought I was in shape. And then you hit, you know, the mountain in Idaho and you're like, holy crap, I'm the furthest thing from in shape there's ever been. Yeah. And, you know, you think you've got good boots and then you run in Idaho and you're like, these boots suck. Yeah. You think you've got a good pack. You think you've got a good pack. And then, you know, 12 miles in, you're like, this is not a good pack. Um, and, and you find out all these things. And I'm like, man, like I went home thinking like, had I been more prepared, which I, I didn't at, at that point in my, in my Western hunting career, there was no chance to be more prepared because that was like the first go at it. Um, but I'll tell you what, man, when I got home, it was like, all right, what boots do I need? When I got home, it was like, what pack do I need? Yeah. Um, because I went into this thinking like, there's no way I'm dropping 400 bucks on boots. And then, (laughs) and then your, your $80 Cabela boots are hurting your feet. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, I need some new boots. So that was another love addiction that came from that hunt with Schnee's. Uh, I've Mm. never looked back, which is a Montana company. Yeah, That's what I, yeah, the Timberlines. Shout out to Montana, man. Um, yep. I'll be in Montana later this year uh, at Mountain Heck Archery yeah. Fest. Can't wait. Oh, nice. Heck yeah, man. That's um, – are they in – they're doing the Montana shoot this year? Yep. It is at um, – let me pull it up. Isn't it by Petersburg or something? Uh, no, I don't know. Does Snow Hollow sound right? No. I think that's near Petersburg, yeah. I combined two. Shell, Wyoming, Antelope Butte. Oh, that's over, um, it's over by Billings. Why did I say Montana? Well, I gave you the Wyoming one. The Montana one is Lakeside, Montana. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm not sure where that's at. Um, cool, man. Yeah. Uh, maybe it will be there. Yeah. But I want to expound a little bit on your, on that, that, that one field note, you can be prepared, but don't be over-prepared. <laughs> I think it's yeah. another one. Don't no, take everything in the kitchen sink, you know, like right. really be prepared for everything, but don't take everything that, yeah. you know, um, no letterman, so, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So I will say my biggest field note is don't neglect your feet. Uh, because I mentioned, uh, the Schnees and, uh, you know, I've just learned that over the years, no matter what I'm hunting, whether I'm sitting in a whitetail stand or whether I'm chasing them around in the mountains, or whether I'm pig hunting in Florida, don't neglect your feet. Like put the most consideration as far as clothing, put the most consideration into your boots and your socks. Um, 
because if your feet hurt, you're miserable. You ain't hunting hard. Uh, you ain't going to stay as long. You ain't going to be successful. You're not going to be as fast. You're not going to be as quiet. Um, you know, if you're sitting in a tree stand and your feet are cold, you're not going to stay as long. Um, so just don't neglect your feet. Uh, find you a good pair of boots. I understand good boots are an investment. Um, I know that, but it's an investment well worth making. No, I 100% agree with that. And then that was another thing, though, uh, which we won't dive too much into because we're pretty far into this already. But, um, you know, I was just sitting there. I'm thinking like this whole hunt. I'm like, dude, you guys are high to think that I'm going to drop 600 bucks on a backpack. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing. Dude, it's a it's a strap with a, a bag on the back of it. Like there ain't nothing that that's going to do that mine don't do. And it was like day six and my back was killing me dude and like i didn't even want to move another inch and rob was like try this pack on real quick and i'm like dude it's still just a backpack and i put it on i'm like oh that's nice like that yeah that makes a There's world a lot of, of difference like, if you looked at it like a backpack uh against the backpack right uh backpack's a backpack but the difference is the technology that goes into right and the thought and you know just the amount of energy that goes into creating a backpack like that right so if you took a crappy pack and you wrote down everything that was wrong with it right and took that and built another pack that's what those packs are yeah right? and there's a reason why they cost that much yeah right because everything on that pack has been thought out right into where the hip belts are and how they ride on your back and it stays you know do you have a curve back do you have a flat back you know you can you can really detail that pack to the person that's going to wear it right and the adjustability um you know just the fact that having stays right or lift loaders on a pack is huge yeah excuse me load lifters i can just go ahead and promise you i don't own the backpack that i took into that hunt anymore (laughs) and i didn't for more than a month afterwards i'm actually running uh now i run an initial ascent uh, oh, which nice. I really They're enjoy. Cool guys. Yeah. They uh, met those guys at mountain archery fest and, and uh, I've actually, I've got to go to every single mountain archery fest uh, because Pope and young does a big dinner at each one. Um, but I met those guys. They're phenomenal dudes. And uh, they sold me on their pack and, and, and I became a believer and I love them. Nice man. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, uh, tried on one of their packs but everybody that's got one that i know really loves it funny story i uh and this i don't think this is a testimony to the backpack um but i was on a hunt with it and i killed this deer and we throw the pack in and my buddy went to get his his side by side so we could pull the deer out and i threw the pack in and he comes back with this little dog and uh anyways we get the we get the deer back up to the lodge or whatever, and uh, I go to get my backpack out and I'm like, "Dude, your idiot dog!" This is like the first hunt I ever took this backpack on. I'm like, "Your idiot dog vomited all over my backpack," like I'm talking <laughs> covered this backpack in vomit, and uh, <laughs> I was like, "Well, there's that." So that pack was broken in pretty quick. Nice. No, yeah, uh, yeah it was it was just comical. I don't know how I'd react to that. Yeah, you seem like you're a pack junkie. So I don't know that you would. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a lot of them, man. I've got uh, five or six, I would yeah. say. I get new ones and I never like get rid of the other ones. So they like stack up, right? So you end up having like tons of packs. I'm, I'm like that with boots, just like gear. Like I'll get all the sick of gear and then I'll try all the other gears and then like, it just, I've constantly got gear around, but in terms of pack, you. I'm kind of a pack junkie. I feel you. We actually just had a big garage sale and I went into my man cave and I was like, I got to get rid of some stuff. Like I've just got to, and you would never do these, these dudes would walk in. It was like, it's called our citywide garage sale. Mm-hmm. So everybody's having garage sales. And so these dudes had been dragged around to like 84 different garage sales by their wives and, they're walking up looking all miserable and they look over and like, Oh, hunting stuff. Like, dude, I sold spotting scopes and binoculars and really probably 50 different pieces of camo and, and a pair of boots and, and 
Lord, I mean, everything, dude. And yeah. it was insane. These, these dudes were incredibly happy to see hunting stuff at a garage sale. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, maybe one day I'll like sell some stuff. I don't know. It's but nice to not. have all around just to like, you know. Oh, it's it absolutely. it It's my favorite thing on planet earth when somebody comes over and they're like, Oh man, it would be so nice to have a, a pair of binoculars like that. And I'm like, you know what? I've got an extra one. You can have those. Yeah. That's like my favorite thing in life right there yeah. is when <laughs> somebody true. needs something and you're like, Hey man, I've got extras. You go ahead and take that. Yeah. yeah I do that with packs a lot. You know, people show up and I'm just like, yeah, just go grab a pack, let everyone fit you, you know, let's go. You know, and they're yeah. like, really? What's your, ad- what's your address? I'll come over for a visit. I know, right? <laughs> Where can well, they find Dark Timber at? Right, and it's Montana. What, uh, tell us about, what town did you say? Ennis, Montana. Ennis? Yeah. Gotcha. Where can they find you at? Website, social, YouTube? Websites, darktimbercoffee.com. Uh, YouTube, we don't, have, we don't have anything up yet. Uh, IG is Dark Timber Coffee. Uh, and then Facebook, Dark Timber Coffee. But we're more active on Instagram than anything. Guys, you got to go check them out. I've said it multiple times, made some people mad because I know some coffee shop owners. Um, but I've said it several times, when you can make better coffee in the backcountry than your local coffee shop can make, you're doing something right. Uh, so <laughs> go check out Dark Timber Coffee. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. And they support conservation they support you as a hunter so why in the world would you not support them um real quick before we go three rivers archery again i'm in rebuilding season uh so my wife is constantly saying dylan why did you spend 400 bucks on three rivers i'm like babe i needed this that this that and the other go check out three rivers archery they're your largest one-stop shop for all things traditional um same day shipping they absolutely are the smartest people i've ever met when it comes to traditional archery so even if you're not going to buy anything but you've got questions give them a call they use the gear so they know the gear um i call those guys more than anything just to ask them questions if i'm having a problem with a bow tune or something like that uh but three rivers archery is an incredible resource for all things traditional archery go check them out threeriversarchery.com guys thank you so much for listening if you're out spring bear hunting, absolutely send me some success photos. I would love to share in that. Um, if you're out spring turkey hunting, I don't know why you would because you can go spring bear hunting. But if you're out spring turkey hunting, make sure and send me photos because I absolutely love to share in your success. Guys, thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. Bye.